Different events in depth discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us on this new week of African Dialogue. Uh, We're back in our Johannesburg studios today, right here in Auckland Park. It's great to be here. And uh, thank you for joining us here on African Dialogue, where we look at the big subject matters on the African continent and also international stories that are making headlines. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms, on Shortwave, on DSTV, and also you can uh, stream us live on our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're all trying to still make sense of the U.S. President Donald Trump. I'm not quite sure if we're winning in terms of trying to rationalize the man or actually trying to actually dip into his logic because every time he does something it kind of uh, confuses us in terms of uh, the mainstream of what we're used to especially when it comes to international politics but this is nothing new for the US because it's not the first time the United Nations uh, uh, has actually been uh, uh, compromised by the United States the latest that we've seen of U.S. President Donald Trump withdrawing from the United Nations Human Rights Council is nothing really new. But this is an almost of a halfway through its second three-year term with this council. And uh, we know that in doing so, the U.S. has claimed the council was a roadblock to genuine global human rights protection. This is their claim. This move by the Trump administration comes in the midst of uh, the U.S. President Donald Trump zero-tolerance immigration policy, which we know that the Human Rights Council was against and spoke against. And we saw the huge controversy of this policy last week between the separation of children and their families. And as I mentioned, this is not the first time the United States boycotts the UNHCR as it did so uh, during George W. Bush's administration to protest the regressive states uh, amongst uh, its membership. That's what the U.S. was claiming at the time. However, in March 2009, the Obama administration reversed that decision and decided to re-engage and seek a seat on the UNHCR. RC, that's the United Nations Human Rights Council. Well, to help us on this particular conversation, we're joined by Diwa Mavinga, Director of Human Rights Watch in the Africa Division. We also have on the line Bumelelo Mkabela, who is the Lecturer of International Relations at the University of South Africa. We also have R. Courtney Priester, who is a past chair of the Democrats abroad in South Africa. But let me start uh, with you, Mbumelelo, in terms of trying to pin down Donald Trump and his sense of direction when it comes to his international relations. What are your thoughts with this latest withdrawal uh, from the United Nations Human Rights Council? Well, uh, I think it's uh, it's consistent with uh, Trump's approach uh, in two areas, in the way in which he treats 
multinational uh, uh, platforms where countries are supposed to engage on issues that affect uh, uh, the world. And two, it's consistent with this approach on uh, uh, human rights. On the first part, he's, a, he's an isolationist. You would uh, uh, recall that in the last few months or so, he has pulled out of many multilateral uh, uh, platforms. Uh, he has assigned it the decision that uh, the deal that Obama had entered to on Iran, he has been uh, um, resigning uh, as, uh, uh, agreements uh, that the U.S. has entered to on trade. He's uh, triggered um, a trade war with with China, mm. and he has uh, 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 not long ago, in fact, one of the first few decisions he took on foreign policy was to sign executive orders um, restricting uh, uh, immigration into the U.S., uh, people who come from certain Muslim countries. And what we see now with the, his decision on uh, Mexico and, uh, and, and separating parents from their children is just part of the trend um, of a Trump administration that is increasingly isolationist, that is increasingly um, uh, 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 shying away from multilateral uh, uh, forums and the, their decision to actually even withdraw from the Human Rights Committee in protest against the UN's decision to condemn Israel is just part of the part of the trend. America under Trump is increasingly running away from showing sure. global leadership mm. on key issues and is becoming isolationist. All right, let me let me bring in our other guests in terms of uh, uh, their views. Diwa, what are your thoughts here, considering the consequences of uh, uh, this particular decision, especially in light of uh, uh, the U.S. president uh, uh, zero tolerance immigration policy? We know it was big news last week, which resulted to a separation of children and their families in the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, we know we've seen uh, uh, almost a big opposition from the the uh, Human Rights Council in itself when it comes to Israeli issues and how Donald Trump has dealt with them and with this particular immigration policy? Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. What the U.S. government has done, the decision to withdraw uh, from the U.N. Human Rights Council, uh, clearly uh, this will sideline the country from uh, key global initiatives to protect human rights. And already there is um, this appalling record in terms of the uh, treatment of, of, of children uh, and of um, uh, migrants uh, in the U.S. Uh, but I, I want to agree with um, uh, the, uh, the previous speaker that really it is about uh, President Trump pursuing uh, an almost isolationist approach uh, and this uh, America first uh, thing that he has been going on about, which basically means uh, that uh, the U.S. is ignoring the suffering of civilians uh, in Syria and uh, ethnic minorities in Myanmar, uh, which is happening mm. uh, because now they've uh, stepped away. And yes, uh, one of the key drivers has been uh, the U.S. government's reluctance uh, to uh, accept criticism uh, on the issues of uh, Israeli abuses in the uh, occupied Palestinian uh, territories. So this is uh, uh, the challenge that we have, and it severely undermines, you know, human rights work. 
because uh, the U.S. Um, um, was a key player and should have stayed within the framework uh, to be supportive uh, yeah. of uh, the U.N. Human Rights Council. Well, let me move it to you, Courtney, in terms of your perspective in this, uh, because as I mentioned in our intro, this is not the first time that uh, the U.S. withdraws uh, from uh, the U.N. Human Rights Council. We know it did it during uh, George W. Bush's presidency, and we saw a re-engagement in Obama's administration from March 29, so uh, 2009 rather. Uh, so definitely, there, it's, it's not something new for, from the U.S. So how can we contextualize why we're seeing uh, such a friction and kind of a distrust between the U.S. administrations and the, uh, the, the, the human rights councils? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a distrust, but so, so welcome to the uh, reality show of the <laughs> Trump administration. Um, and it's all, it's all smoke and mirrors, I tell you. And it is about Israel. Um, because the, the, the Human Rights Council was getting ready to um, say something, uh, question uh, Israel's latest uh, violations of the human rights um, uh, initiative that mm. supposedly is, is going on. But you have, to, you have to be careful about this administration because um, they are all smoke and mirrors. There's, there's diversion over here to get you not to look at what they're doing on the other side. All right, so so now you see them in there talking to North Korea, mm-hmm. trying talking to China, loudly. You, they're not talking to Europe, right? Yeah. Not yeah yeah. So so you have to you have to figure out try to try to imagine what is their goal in in all of a sudden uh, approaching these Asian nations to come along with them. And and uh, both of the both of the gentlemen did mention the fact that they are. Uh, insulating themselves, mm. you know, so so that uh, the United States will be the controlling power again, because uh, they were losing space. You remember, you remember that, right? Because mm. China was coming, all of Asia was coming up, sure. and Russia, you know. So so it, basically, that's that's it, it's all smoke and mirrors, but it's dangerous, very dangerous. But in order to make America great again, they have to be all about America. But, I mean, what would the intent be, especially with such an important body such as the Human Rights Council? Would it be basically around the consensus, not coming to a consensus with issues that have to do with the Middle East? Because, yes, we know that the U.S. is losing a lot of its distrust around its own allies in in Europe and even some members within uh, the United Nations. I would I would think it would be surrounding all around the Israeli uh, uh, accord that they have, um, just like moving moving the the, the uh, um, embassy to Jerusalem. Mm. Total insult. So, oh. right, right, uh, and it was not. You never saw Israel say we wanted to make Jerusalem the capital or the or the embassy uh, state. It came from the U.S. Mm-hmm. So it's all it's again. <laughs> it's all about the power. So now Israel again is is number one in the U.S. Right? So they control all those powers. Now. 
Sure. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll try to consolidate all those various views that are coming from both all of our guests. So we've got uh, Diwa Mavinga joining us on the line uh, from uh, the Human Rights Watch. Uh, he is heading the Africa uh, Division. And also we've got Bumelelo Mkabela, who is a lecturer in international relations at the University of South Africa. And our Courtney Priester is the posture of the Democrats abroad South Africa. We'll see if we can also bring in uh, Professor uh, Stram Lau, who is Professor John Stram Lau, a visiting professor from the International Relations Department at the Wits University, and see if we can get a few of his uh, uh, views. Maybe he can glue the narrative a bit together of what, how we've started the program. Let's take a quick one. We'll be back after this. <laughs> Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity, an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements, the voice of the African Renaissance, from an African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, where you get news from an African perspective. Remember, our shortwave service into sub-Saharan Africa is on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. In South African neighboring countries, we're on the DSTV audio channel, and that's Channel 802. And you can stream us live internationally on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today, we're still trying to make sense of Donald Trump, and I'm not sure if we actually actually getting it right because every time the guy comes with a new direction and uh, let me bring it to Professor Stramler who has been with us before when we did discuss uh, Donald Trump and his unpredictability. Uh, Professor Stramler, w- what are your thoughts on this withdrawal from uh, the Human Rights Council? Uh, you were never uh, uh, an optimist when it comes to Donald Trump uh, and I'm sure we see him uh, polarizing the global dialogue even further right now. Well, for sure, that's the case, and and I don't think my views are any different than your previous commentators, so I'm not sure if I can add value to this discussion, only to point out that it is less mysterious now what Donald Trump is about, because we've had over a year to watch him in the White House, and it's clear that um, with regard to the two main elements of any sensible human rights policy, namely to live up to principles domestically within the United States and then to promote international human rights norms with like-minded states multilaterally, which was um, uh, the aspiration, if not always realized by the Obama administration, Trump falls down on both of these. Uh, You know, he is playing the race card hard at home. He came to power by denigrating Obama uh, as a non-American because of his African-American roots. 
and uh, and and he's playing the same game internationally because uh, he doesn't like multilateral institutions. What your what your um, previous speakers have already referred to so. with regard to the Human Rights Council. So. So the question really is whether or not the resistance within the United States will be such to constrain his power and ultimately to remove him from office, and that's an open question, and we're all looking to see what's going to happen there. But meanwhile, internationally, it's just, you know, he his, his, his representative decried the council for being hypocritical and self-serving, but it, it was the height of hypocrisy to be pulling out of the council at the very time that the that the Human Rights Commissioner is indicting the United States for the abuse of children along the Mexican border as a human rights offense, which under normal circumstances should be expected of the council. That's what they should do. Anyway, I'll take any other questions you have, but I really don't think I can... Um, just, myself in any disagreement with your previous speech. Sure, just, just to, to, as we wrap it up with you, because uh, we just wanted to get just a brief outline from you, Professor Stremlau. It seems like this is an, an issue that has to do with Israel, Israel more than anything, as was emphasized by our previous guest. I think it was our Courtney Priester. And I think it's what's interesting about here, we're starting to see that it seems the intent from Donald Trump is to defend his own interests, as you've highlighted. In terms of, we heard the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Zayed Ra'ad al-Hussein, uh, calling on Washington to halt its child separation policy. But this decision doesn't only come after that. It also comes after the UNHCR voted to probe the killing of Palestinians in Gaza by Israeli security forces. And uh, you heard the ambassador of uh, the US within the United Nations, Nikki Haley, highlighting the fact that they think that uh, um, uh, the the, the council itself is anti-Israel. Uh, just give us your thoughts around that dynamic in itself. Look, the council has repeatedly uh, drawn attention to the human rights abuses uh, in Palestine. I've written about the recent Gaza tragedy sure. and and uh, and decried the fact that the, that the international community has not uh, responded more forthrightly as Cyril Ramaphosa, the president of South Africa, called for immediately. Um, but uh, it would be, I think, wrong to put too much uh, stock in just the Israeli motivation right. of Donald Trump, because while he is uh, willing to uh, uh, cede to the likes of his funders um, uh, and others who have supported him on a hard line in support of Israel, uh, the U.S. had very little credibility as an honest broker. But to be fair, Obama when he joined the Human Rights Council, uh, succeeded in having a discussion about how many commissions there ought to be on Israel, and the number actually declined because he engaged and they talked about it and they tried to find a way forward, and he was seen as by, by the Israeli government as hostile to Israel. Hard to say why they could say that because of the U.S. alliance with Israel and sure. even the Democratic administration. So you have a situation where Donald Trump is, yes, pandering to the Israeli lobby in the United States, taking a very hard line. But the U.S. has lost any credibility as an honest broker there, which is why countries like South Africa, who is seen as pro-Palestinian but works as a democracy with other Western democracies, could, in my view, um, raise the flag for a responsibility to protect intervention in Gaza or 
in the West Bank, but particularly Gaza right now, because the humanitarian situation has gotten so bad. And we've just had a report over this weekend that suggests, again, that there is time for, is urgent time for, for, for action a collective action by the other states that are concerned about the situation there, but the U.S. has completely um, uh, isolated itself on the on the Israeli issue anyway. Mm-hmm. So the council doesn't really matter. It, it couldn't work with the council on Israel in any case, and so they pulled out. I mean, it's it is what it is. It, mm-hmm. It's it's terrible, but it is what it is. Sure. Well, thank you for giving us your time there. That's uh, Prof. John uh, Stramlau, the visiting professor at the International Relations Department at the Wits University. We're going to let him go there, but I'm going to pan back uh, to Diwa Mavinga in terms of just getting his thoughts on the legitimizing of uh, uh, these decisions. What do they do to international relations, especially when it comes to human rights um, in the human rights um, uh, space? Uh, does it actually deliver? Legitimize it when superpowers such as the the U.S. question the credibility of organizations such as the Human Rights Council. What are your thoughts on uh, the the prowess and also the the ability of the United States uh, to actually have weight over certain issues and their power in terms of human rights policy? Well, oh yes. um, uh, the withdrawal by the Trump administration uh, no doubt severely undermined uh, the UN human rights body. Uh, because, look, since uh, uh, joining the Human Rights Council back in 2010, uh, the U.S. government has played a key role in uh, human rights initiatives in countries like Syria, South Sudan, uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Sri Lanka, and Cambodia. So now what is happening now uh, is that the U.S. is turning its back on victims of human rights around the world, and it weakens the human rights mechanism because there were many uh, globally who had viewed the U.S. as a champion and a beacon for human rights uh, values. So this is a huge setback. Uh, what it means is that really the remaining government in the UN Human Rights Council uh, need to redouble their efforts to ensure that the Human Rights Council addresses uh, the world's most serious human rights uh, problem. But it is really a setback because uh, the U.S. has turned its back on the U.N. Let, let me bring you in uh, in terms of echoing maybe that sentiment and that that is a worrying sentiment to our uh, Courtney Priester in terms of uh, the, the fact that now we're questioning um, well it's not like it's the first time we've done it in terms of questioning the United States credibility when it comes to the international standing but uh, Barack Obama tried to kind of bring um, you know the United States back to its legitimacy to a certain point of view in terms of redressing some of the issues within the Human Rights Council, re-energizing his efforts to make sure that he actually invests in uh, uh, the seat in itself during his uh, uh, presidency. And now we see uh, uh, Donald Trump taking away uh, that um, stride that uh, Obama was trying to actually uh, take things forward in that direction. Well, all right. Well, let me let me first 
uh, admit my biases. I'm a, a black American that's living in, in Africa for the last 20 years. Sure. Okay, so so you put my biases on the table. Uh, you may you may be able to <laughs> keep up with, the, with, with with what I'm what I'm. I think I'm I'm about to say. The, the Obama did try to to um, work with the the UN Human Rights uh, Division uh, because it's the right thing to do, not the white thing to do. Mm. All right. But now um, Trump is again trying to um, show domination, and not only in, in in international, but also in in home, in racial politics, in in controlling the the, the, the talk in in the inter- on an international level. What you are allowed to talk about, what you, what what should be the focus is right now the U.S. being the the world power. And, and taking control of all international, um, the total international environment. Mm. Now, uh, number two on that is Israel has always been the second most powerful uh, on the international environment because of the, the uh, underlying money and, and military that they control. All right? uh, you can talk about Russia, you can talk about China, you can talk about everybody else, but they all hire Israel when they need help for any military or, or uh, strategic, you know, so... That so you got the number one and the number two secret power, right? Mm-hmm. Controlling everything. So and so they plan it. It's a it's a long range goal, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it, it it can possibly work if the other international uh, countries, China uh, and all of Asia, who is actually right now the fastest growing, uh, do not take control of, of their own. Mm. Let me bring in Bumelelo t- in, in, in that because, you know, while we're watching this uh, pop star of politics taking over the world in Bumelelo, uh, it seems like we're also not hearing much of a response from whether allies or even those who are in a position to actually um, rebut um, this domination that we're seeing uh, from Donald Trump. What can be done to trump out this man? <laughs> well, the thing is, he he is taking a, a lot of people by surprise, both uh, in the established uh, uh, power networks in the U.S., as well as among allies globally and uh, America's foes uh, globally as well. He, as we know, he's not the typical Republican. Even among the Republicans, uh, uh, brains trust. He's a, he, he, he doesn't belong there. He doesn't quite fit well within the Republican uh, uh, thinking. So we can we can't even say he's truly Republican or he's. He's, he's perhaps exhibiting the worst uh, form of Republican thinking because even among the worst Republicans, he doesn't fit in there. So he's right there on his own. So the problem starts even at the domestic level. And, and he takes it then at an external level whereby allies are now no longer looking to the U.S. for leadership. If you check right now, uh, if you can just tra- uh, stray a little bit from the human rights issues and sure. go to trade, just mm-hmm. to make a point. Sure. The, the, the EU now and, and China are negotiating a separate uh, arrangement to cut out uh, uh, America's uh, uh, influence. So, so in a way, he's shying away from uh, a global leadership that the U.S. has uh, come to be known since World War II. So he's being isolationist. All of the institutions of the world, whether you're talking about the IMF, 
or the World Bank, the WTO, uh, or even the UN. All of these key institutions that are uh, post-World War II institutions are institutions that were uh, established and uh, were kind of like anchored by America, where it took leadership in almost all of them. Now, the U.S. is now under Trump, retreating from the leadership of these institutions at the time when many other countries have been pressing for reform. So mm. um, his, 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 his actions could be interpreted, one, as a negative, in a negative sense, it's bad for America. But on the other hand, it could actually be, provide an opening for aspirant world leaders to come in and fill the gap in multilateral uh, forums and perhaps push the reform agenda quite quick, quickly. Um, of course, the dilemma is that America still has a lot of power, at least economically, uh, globally. So that might actually restrict the reform uh, agenda. But from a point of view of leadership, um, he, he, Trump is retreating, is taking America uh, uh, far extreme to isolationism. Mm. So in a way, those who are aspiring for global leadership, like China, we've already seen China saying, well, if America is pro- too protectionist, we are willing to, to lead to global open markets. Mm. The dilemma, of course, for China is that China can't lead on human rights issues because itself is not a human so rights-based yeah, uh, organization. So other countries need to deal with, with, with that part. China can't lead there. It can mm. lead on the world economy issues, but it can't lead on human rights. Well, I'm going to take a quick break, and I, I want to get uh, your colleagues' views on what you're highlighting there in terms of could we see new... Um, bilateral relationships being formed from this isolationist approach that we're seeing from Donald Trump. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. (laughs) You know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, broadcasting from an African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa. This is where you get news from an African perspective, something that we don't shy away from. So definitely we are biased towards our beautiful continent. And hey, we're not ashamed of that. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue. We come to you every Monday to Thursday at 11 o'clock Central African time, looking at the big issues, whether it's politics, whether it's social, economic issues, and also so international uh, uh, bilateral conversations that we usually have. Well, today we're looking at the international story of Donald Trump's international relations uh, uh, problem. It seems like that in terms of engaging with the rest of the world, he rather sees uh, himself as a kingpin of sorts who's going to determine the way for everyone and he must actually set the agenda and tone for everyone. Let me come to you. Diwa, in terms of do you see the possibility of 
other countries actually um, creating new relationships outside of the realm of the United States. I mean, now South Africa has also clinched itself within uh, the Security Council. Maybe countries such as South Africa can actually uh, play the dominating role in uh, putting forward human rights issues, maybe in the context of also our history. Yes, I absolutely so, because the U.S. Uh, uh, government has left a huge gap in terms of uh, human rights protection. Uh, it does not necessarily mean that uh, the U.S. will be unable to play any positive role of human rights outside of the U.N. Human Rights Council. But what it means is that those that uh, remain, kind uh, of like Africa, now have an opportunity uh, to take a leadership role and to redouble their efforts uh, to champion uh, human rights values globally. Because uh, on the reverse side, obviously, uh, the, the move by the Trump administration uh, could embolden you know, you know, countries like China and Africa, who have um, for long worked to undermine the UN uh, human rights uh, system. So this is uh, a, a huge challenge, but um, it is likely that a number of countries previously not thought as superpowers or champions mm. uh, will step up uh, and uh, uh, take leadership uh, on the human rights front. Uh, we also know that the, the UK has been supportive of the US position in terms of criticism of uh, any resolutions to deal with the occupied Palestinian territories. Uh, but the UK is not threatened to pull out of the uh, uh, of the UN system. So uh, there is the possibility of working with them and also continuing to engage with the US government to move away from this isolationist and um, uh, one-dimensional human rights policy. All right, let me bring you, um, Mr. Priester, in terms of, of your thoughts here. Do you see... The, the global powers changing uh, in terms of new power blocks that could be created uh, due to uh, Donald Trump's approach to international affairs? Yes, I do, definitely. Uh, there, there should be some changes. Um, yes, global, globalization is here, no doubt about it. But if you look at each individual country, most countries need to be more inward need to start producing more for themselves, need to stop exporting all of their valuables and, 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 and re-importing them uh, once the value is placed on them. So, yeah, I, I, I see a huge change. If if the governments and powers that be see that this is also an opportunity, you know, you remember, why is why is China successful today? Mm. Remember, they, 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 they went inward. Sure. Right, and 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 stole everybody's ideas, but they <laughs> but they were able to <laughs> manufacture them and make sure. them uh, cheaper than what everybody else was producing. And then they opened their, bo- their borders again to allow other, you know, allow the import export. Mm. Um, so no, I, I, yes, it may be some negativity around that, but if 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 the governments look at it in a positive way and say, okay, so now is the time. So yes, now they want to charge me more for steel. So why don't I, why am I not producing mm. more steel myself? Well, very interesting times in world dynamics. Uh, Bumelele, your final sentiments? Uh, it seems like your colleagues also agree with you in, in their own variations. Uh, what are your final sentiments? 
Pumelelo, are you there with me? For uh, for Africa. And I think that we should remember that um, Africa has always been a victim of um, a global uh, wars. A, a lot of proxy wars were fought on this continent um, uh, during the Cold War. While there was no hot war, in the, among the major powers, but there were actually wars that happened in Africa inspired by the, the Cold War. And since then, um, we have seen all these developments now up to Trump. The question uh, uh, then becomes, what do we do now as Africans, and what does it all mean for us? So to avoid a situation where we are victims or we are uh, observers uh, in something that can really impact on our development, African countries now should look at this perhaps not as a crisis, but look at what are opp- what opportunities are being created here with this crisis of Trump um, that uh, has been created globally and see how Africans can perhaps uh, play a role uh, and in perhaps showing the way in, in, in a way that actually would benefit Africa. You know, when um, uh, before he was fired, uh, Rex Tillerson, the U.S. Secretary of State, before he was fired on Twitter, his last uh, major diplomatic uh, uh, task was in Africa. And one of the things he said when he was here was that he said, he said African countries should be careful not to allow China to dominate Africa to the point that China compromises the sovereignty of African states. Mm-hmm. But we know that he was saying that in the context of this global competition that's happening mm-hmm. between China and the U.S. Mm-hmm. But Africa shouldn't be told how to conduct its diplomacy. Africa should actually do what it thinks it's, it's in its interest. It shouldn't be about what America says mm-hmm. or what China says. So those are some of the things I think for Africa we should begin to think about. What's mm-hmm. the kind of leadership that Africa would like to see and what is Africa going to do about it? We can't be victims of what happens globally anymore. Africa needs to actually take its own initiatives up to the global uh, 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 international system. All right, that's how we're going to wrap it up. And I think that's a much uh, positive note in terms of Africa's independence, especially when it comes to even our international relations approach. And we're starting to see even that robust discussion happening within uh, the United Nations Security Council's African uh, countries demanding their voices to be more heard. But thank you to our guest, Pumelelo Mkabela, joined us today. Thank you for giving us your time. He is a lecturer in international relations at the University of South Africa, our Courtney priest i haven't spoken to him in a while it's good to be speaking to him as a post chair of the democrats abroad uh south africa and we also deal Mavingo is our friend now here on african dialogue he's the director of human rights watch in the africa division thank you all for giving us your time thank you thank you